three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to episode 161 of the No Normal Show, brought to you by Revive. This is where we leave all things status quo, traditional, old school, and boring in the dust, and we celebrate the new, the powerful, the innovative, the future, all related to how brands can lead the way in health. I'm your co-host, Chris Bevelo, Chief Growth and Brand Officer at Revive. I am also joined, as always, by co-host Des Duncan. Vice President of Health Equity and Inclusion at Revive. Hello, Des. Hello, Chris. You're changing up the order. And also, I'm trying to think about my hello because yours reminded me of Mrs. Doubtfire. Good morrow. Good morrow. Good morrow. All right. Also with us, as per usual, is Stephanie Werwell, SVP of Integrated Marketing at Revive and our co-host. Hello, Stephanie. Hello. Your, your intro was like Halloween in July. The hello. I wonder. I, I don't know where that came from. Maybe it was Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't know. Is that what it's it was? Also, it's also giving me Tom Hanks, like pumpkin. Good Tom morning, Hanks. Vietnam. For doing Robin Williams. You can do that all day. No? I'm sure you could. <laughs> all right. So we, we are going to today focus on the third of three episodes on our book prediction, disparity, dystopia. We'll get that in a moment, but we have breaking news related to two other predictions in the book. Uh, one is news from Amazon and the second is news from Apple. So we'll start with the Amazon news, which fits keenly into our prediction about the funnel wars, which if you recall, our discussion of the funnel wars is all about how new entrants into the healthcare space. So think Apple, CVS, Walmart, uh, One Medical, Amazon, there's a whole slew of them, how they are going to come in and disrupt uh, the top of the funnel, what we call the top of the funnel, so the entry point for most people in healthcare, and the implications for that for legacy hospitals and health systems, which are severe and dire, should it come true. And so today, we had a, a pretty significant amounts, uh, announcement. Uh, related to one of those uh, newcomers is a relative term. Uh, they've been they've been in this space for a while, but you know, relative to how long hospitals and health systems have been doing this stuff, definitely newcomer. And that is Amazon. So in the book, I think the two the two kind of disruptors when we think about the funnel wars that that probably should invoke the most fear, or at least that's what we heard from the people we talked to in the research we did. Uh, that, that, that is Optum and all the things they're doing, uh, as part of United healthcare and then Amazon. So here we have Amazon and they have agreed to buy one medical for $3.9 billion. Uh, so one medical had already been drawing interest from some other folks like CVS health. So here you have Amazon with all of their capital, uh, which they have, quite a bit, expanding their incursion into healthcare. This is, in fact, the, the article I'm reading is from Healthcare Dive. And one of the paragraphs, I think, says it great. Amazon has been elbowing into the healthcare industry um, for a while now. And so this is, this is definitely an elbow to the ear 
of legacy hospitals and health systems. One medical already represented a new kind of primary care model uh, that that could give legacy systems fits. And now they're going to be part of Amazon, which is a giant multi-tentacled beast when it comes to a company and does so many things so well. And now here they are expanding into uh, the primary care space, uh, which will help supplement their already uh, expansion. That doesn't make any sense. The expansion they've already undertaken in virtual care, as well as opening uh, their own Amazon stores. So big, big, big news. Uh, I bet I would wager to guess there's more to come from our friends at Amazon. So anything you guys want to add to that before we move to the second one? No, we've just heard for so long, Amazon's not gonna gonna make big moves into healthcare. Well, here it is. Here they are. You can be cynical no longer. Yep, yep. And people looked at Haven and they're like, see, ha ha, Haven failed. You guys know what you're doing. And as we say in the book, and as many other people have said, Amazon untethered from that um, unwieldy triumvirate of organizations that was Haven is far more powerful and far more fear invoking in terms of disruption. So the second one, uh, Stephanie, I'll toss over to you. This is lands squarely in our first prediction of the book, which is the Copernican consumer and how all things data, care, services, health related are going to increasingly be brought to the consumer wherever she sits and revolve around her in a way that we have not seen before. And this, this comes from our friends at Apple. It does. Yes. My fantasy world is coming to coming to fruition. Um, so Apple published a health report yesterday, so July 20th. It was a July 2022 health report, 60-page report. Really, really good stuff. Really interesting. Great bedtime reading. Um, and so they highlighted two key areas where they are moving further and further into health to be at the center of, of the health space. One is empowering users on their personal health journey. So having your health data all in one place. Hey, that sounds like the Copernican consumer. Specifically, they talk about the next iteration of the iOS uh, phone and watch coming this fall will feature 17 areas of health and fitness, many of which are already are already here. So heart health, sleep, women's health, mobility. I'll give one quick example, which... I've had a little use of in my personal life. So mobility, Apple has a fall detection um, uh, element. So my dad was here recently and actually fell down my stairs, had an Apple watch on. And if I hadn't come running, it would have called 911 because it gave him a little notification. Did you fall? We sense that you fell. Would you like us to call 911? And if, if you don't push that button, it will call it for you. So that's just one example, but there are many, many, many more um, examples of ways that Apple is capturing health data and actually doing things about it. The, so that's the, the personal health journey area. They also are mentioning um, innov- uh, in integrating with third-party health and fitness apps as part of that. The second area is collaborating with the medical community. So really interesting uh, here. And specifically partnering on new scientific discoveries, health research. They called out that they've collaborated with Stanford to build the Apple Heart Study, a first-of-its-kind virtual cardiac clinical study. Um, They also referenced the the data that, of course, is captured via the iPhone. So they mention um, 
150 different types of health data captured and stored in a very private manner and can be shared with with medical professionals. So that's just a very teeny tiny taste of what's in their health report. Go read it. Go read the 60 pages. Really good stuff. We've talked before on this podcast how Apple has said that they their legacy will be in health. And I think this is maybe the first time that we've started to see that come to light in a in one cohesive report. That's awesome. Uh, definitely something that I'm looking to buy my parents for their birthdays, holidays, or whatever. Um, but I'm wondering about the, you know, our, our main topic, uh, not to be that Debbie Downer, um, but the haves and the have-nots, you know, will they come out with a version that is uh, more economical? Um, you know, know that they, like they've come out with the excess versions of phones, will there be that version of the watch would be yeah. my question. Yeah, that's a great that's a great segue. I just got an Apple Watch last week. I finally caved, um, and I love it. I'm not a watch wearer. I have some great watches, but I only wear them on special occasions. So it's kind of new for me to figure out like how do you wear this when you work out because it's sweaty, and how do you wear it when you sleep because it runs out of battery. So I'm getting used to it, um, and I, I think I've tapped into maybe seven percent of what I could tap into with, I'm just saying yes to everything, but I still don't really know all the ways that I could be leveraging it. So I'm looking forward to. Yeah. You almost need a day to just like dive into all the things. Cause I got mine a year ago and I'm like, I, I need to take the time to actually look through all the things. I just got it set up and went running, but there's so much that's untapped already. I'm sure like you many things. There's many things. Maybe Stephanie could take us through. Oh, yeah. in an episode, all the things, and that would be great. So, okay. So yes, let's go to our main topic, which is, uh, again, the fifth prediction in the Joe Public 2030 book, uh, Disparity Dystopia, where we predict that what we call the health gap in the United States, uh, which is really related to health disparities and health inequities. And you've got the haves and the have-nots, as Des just kind of referenced. The haves are the folks like us, well, have Apple Watches and commercial insurance and all the good stuff. The have-nots are all the people that suffer uh, from health disparities and health inequities, that the gap is actually going to get larger. So it's going to get worse for the have-nots and better for the haves. So when we first talked about this, we kind of set that all up in a podcast uh, if you want to listen to that on a rainy day, please make sure you have like a teddy bear with you. It's not, it's not an optimistic show that we had to go through, <laughs> but we got to say, we got to tell like it is right. Last week, we had an episode that, that spoke a little bit more to, all right, how, how do we start to get arms around this? How do we really think about closing that health gap just in general from where we are as individuals or where we are as health systems, that kind of thing today. We're going to focus on what can you do practically as a marketer to help address disparity dystopia and the health gap we're talking about. And we're really going to kind of cover it in three ways. The first way is, is trying to get into the right mindset. It's very helpful to have the right mindset when you're trying to deal with this stuff. So that's one. The second is we're going to share some examples of marketing that we've seen out there that's done a great job of really thinking appropriately about uh, the health gap or just disparities and inequities in general. And then finally, we're done with all that, we'll give some actual down-to-earth concrete ideas of what you can be doing. Sound good? You guys ready for this? So ready. So pumped. Okay. Let's do it. 
So the first one is really trying to get in the right mindset. How, you know, how can you change how you think about this stuff to, to, to be better adept at addressing the health gap from where you sit? So for example, um, one of the things we'll spend the most time on is it can be difficult when you are in a position like I am as a white man where, you know, let's safe to say the world is pretty much catered to me, catered to all of us our entire lives. Uh, to really understand what we're talking about, to be able to empathize with it, and to dig in and figure out how to actually deal with it. So I'm going to completely butcher this, but this is something I saw on TikTok. TikTok's amazing. And I wish I could think of the, the influencer, the person who shared it. I don't even know if it was hers, but I love this analogy and it's about scissors. So if you are in a position that I am as a white man in terms of this world, gender, race, all of those things, um, it is similar to how many people are in the world who are right-handed. Vast majority of people in, this, in the world are right-handed, right? And if you are right-handed, you probably don't think too much about how everything in the world is by default designed for you, right? You just don't think about it. Why would you think about it? It's just not, you're never forced to think about it. If you're left-handed, you think about this all the time. So an example of this is scissors, you know? So you use scissors all the time if you're right-handed. You never think about, this doesn't work for me. If you're left-handed, you start thinking about it, right? So where this where this analogy kind of comes to is where, you know, if you are a right-handed person, it's understandable you don't think about this problem because it's not a problem for you. You're not aware of this problem. When somebody steps forward and says, "Hey, I'm left-handed. These scissors don't work for me. I wonder if we could come up with a, a left-handed version of scissors." If you're that right-handed person, your first reaction might be like, there's no problem here. This isn't really mm -hmm. a problem. Like, It's not a problem for me, so I don't understand why it's a problem for you. So just getting past the idea that just because it's not a problem for you doesn't mean it's not a problem for someone else. So this is what we're talking about like with a mindset. Um, and it's also where we get really political and weird where you'll get the right-handed people say, hey, don't blame me. It's not my fault that I'm right-handed, that I was born right-handed or We'll do the analogy. It's not my fault I was born a white man. Don't blame me for racism, right? Um, or if I say, you know what? I don't think this is really a problem, right? You become part of the problem when you don't, when you don't recognize the issue when it's raised to you. So when people say like, hey, don't, don't call me racist just because I'm white. Fair, right? Like, okay. But when somebody raises these issues and you deny them because of where you sit in the world. That's where you become part of the problem. We can debate the word racist or not, but that's what we're talking about here. If you sit in a privileged class like I am, and most of our audience, I would venture to guess, are probably in that class in terms of race. Um, certainly women are, are have their own issues too, right, from a gender perspective. So how do you get out of that mindset when the issue is raised and try to get into like, what's it like to be left-handed? What's it, you know, let me try to use scissors that are left-handed. That's awkward. Okay, Des, you've been trying to jump in for like five <laughs> minutes. I'm sorry. Uh, please do jump in. This is my butchered way of trying to use scissors. To no, you're good. It's Talk I mean, about mindset. It's my everyday life. It's like you're feeling like you're gaslit every day when like, oh, your thing doesn't matter. Um, but it's speaking of the mindset, it's about like, don't a lot of people when they have that kind of response, they're, they're coming from a defense space, 
where they're like, oh, well, I can't possibly be this. It's like, you're not, you're not hearing me. You're not listening to me. Um, And that's what all of this is about. It's like, it's just take that second to step back and actually listen to the person in front of you to understand like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that that's not been my experience. So I have no idea. So yes, let me take that in consideration. Let's continue to talk about that. Um, Similar thing was around the um, band-aids coming out with the um, uh, wider array of flesh tone band-aids because originally it was based off of um, white skin, right? So then when they came out with a full spectrum of more brown, uh, tan, cocoa, all the things, you know, this was, you know, great. It's like, wow, like finally a band-aid that actually, you know, reflects my own skin tone. Um, but you saw folks on social media get up in arms around like, oh, why does this need to exist? And da, 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 da. But like, you know, you've, there's a statement around when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. So if someone else <laughs> gets something, that doesn't mean that it's being taken away from you. It's just that like, hey, they're getting to experience it as well. Um, Another example of that, like getting into our next of like where brands I feel have done an amazing job at this is Target. Uh, Could get lost in a Target all day long. Love it. They keep um, advancing all the things that they do. Um, But, you know, when they made their commitment to uh, making sure that they diversify their the goods that um, they're consumers really want, you know, they put forth this major effort into make sure that they were um, reaching out and supporting more um, vendors of color uh, and that we were providing more opportunities for, you know, these brands to grow. Uh, and they've continued to expand upon that by creating even just sections um, and I'm not just talking about, you know, I'm grateful for having more of a ethnic hair care and body care section. Like I just noticed that they started to revamp again and they had like a whole section that they um, had built out. But also there's a whole section for men, you know, like men's um, hair and body and face care and shaving and all of this and supporting brands like Bevel, um, uh, Tristan Walker's brand, which super appreciate what he's done for creating a razor that um, helps with um, more black skin that might be prone to uh, different um cuts or shaving bumps or whatever from their product, they're finding that single blade razor that it really supports um, healthy skin. But yeah, I mean, are you walk in and you feel like, wow, this was made for me. Like I feel, you know, supported in this. So it's not necessarily just about race, but like men can go into this store as well and feel like, wow, I have a section that has all the things that supports me and how I'm trying to up my game and how I'm coming across when it comes to my own like physical and um, you know, fashion or whatever needs. Yes. I, I love a target, a target, uh, run. I'd also live my life in target. And I've noticed recently it's the, it's the aisles you're talking about. It's also, you know, for, for, for pride month, but even outside of pride month, they have sections that are kind of celebrating pride. They I've seen, um, end caps recently of, uh, sunscreen for people of color which is incredible and amazing. And I think I shared this with with you all um, yesterday, but I love anytime I can have a moment where I walk into an aisle and I go, oh, this aisle isn't for me. It's this interesting and really weird moment where you go, am I allowed to be here? Am I allowed to buy the sunscreen? Is this for me? And what is what, what it's made me realize is the more of those moments I have as a white woman, the better. Because that means that there are more things, you know, for others because I have the whole store 
And the, yes, there are weird moments. Yes, they're tense. Yes, they're awkward. But that's what that's what people of color have been feeling for decades, right? <laughs> and so it's just the first time that that you know now white people are having that feeling, and I think we don't know how to handle that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that let's let's summarize this and move on to the next section by saying the right mindset is being open to left-handed scissors, not just automatically shutting down when somebody says, boy, I could use some left-handed scissors. Not thinking that means, well, if you get something to Des's point, that's less for me. You still got your band-aids. Nobody took away your band-aids. They just added some bad ways, right? Like, like equity is that everybody gets the same things, not somebody gets less. And and that can be hard for folks, but that is that's just the starting point for how to open your mind to how we're going to close the health gap in this country is recognizing that. So, so let's move on to talk about some examples of brands that have, seem to have done this well. We already talked about Target, so kudos to them. That's a hometown company. We take great pride in Minnesota that we we are the land of Target. What else you guys got? Who else do you want to throw out there? I will throw out my favorites, as you all know, and our audience is starting to learn. So Lizzo launched her um, shapewear brand called Yiddy in partnership with Fabletics, which is Kate Hudson's brand. Um, it is shapewear for people of all sizes and colors. There's also skin tones. And it's, it's not the first, right? It's not the first shapewear brand to do this. Um, Kim Kardashian's Skims did this. Good American has done similar things. Uh, we've seen bras and underwear for, you know, all skin colors start to come to light. But I, I just, I do want to make a point. And part of the reason why we're talking about this is because marketers are often quick to say, what does diversity means? It means let's make sure that our window displays are diverse. Let's make sure that our ads are diverse. But the point is, what can you audit for your products, your services, your customer experience, and make sure that you're thinking of people's needs overall? It's not just skin colors reflected, right? It's like sun, sunscreen is a good example of that, or, or hair care. There are, so, there are thousands of untapped needs um, that that people of all colors, backgrounds, abilities have that have not yet been served. One thousand percent. I mean, it's the same reason why there are so many different toothpaste brands, and then there's so many different types of toothpaste within that brand. You know, you're trying to support all the different needs. Some people have sensitive teeth. You know, some people have like other conditions where they're dealing more with tartar or cavities or whatever. It's about creating that product that's going to suit the needs of that individual. And that also needs to include, you know, our lived experiences um, beyond that. Like, so that's all this is trying to say. It's not trying to create something new or different or infringe upon your existing rights. It's just making sure that there are products that are being developed um, for all types of folks. But um, some of my, I mean, it's easy for the fashion and beauty world to do this, right? Because it's visible, you know, it's the body. Um, you know, my favorites are the Fenty Beauties by Rihanna's company and Beyonce's Ivy Park, where you have, you know, these fashion um, lines that are catering to all the genders, you know? They have their uh, products on the site where it's like, it doesn't matter what gender expression you um, have, um, that you can, can consume and wear these products as well as the body types, you know, where there's the different fashion shows or the mannequins that these clothes are on, you know, they're showing all of these more realistic body types. So you can see like, wow, this product is made for me. I'm going to feel more comfortable, um, you know, supporting this business. But I mean, also like just shout out to Gen Z for just not falling into all of the 
um, body <laughs> rigors that the rest of us grew up with, where they're like, I'm going to wear whatever I want. Um, I'm going to show all the things, uh, you know, respectfully. Um, but it's it's about just being able to express yourself the way that you want to. And I know that fashion and beauty brands are able to do that best. But let's think about ways that we as health brands can do that as well. Yes, I have one example there that might be relevant to our listeners. Um, so I I worked for a while with with Delta Airlines, and and during that time they were going through their redesign of their employee uniforms. Um, and the reason for the redesign was because they'd heard a lot of feedback from their employees, especially people of color, that black uniforms and dark navy blue uniforms just weren't flattering. And that's what their colors were. Um, and so they did a lot of research and came out with purple. And so that's why, if you notice, uh, many of their flight attendants and others wear, wear purple and then they've got red. And it's part of their brand colors, which are blue and red, which created the purple. It's beautiful. And it was grounded in that kind of feedback and research. So my point is, many of our listeners are you know, health systems or healthcare organizations where people do have uniforms that's an interesting thing to consider, right? What do your employees need in their day-to-day work to feel heard and and um, represented? And so taking this to, you know, what can we as marketers do to address these health gaps, you know, and we can start with, you know, for one, ensuring that your team reflects the variety of lived experiences. You know, if you look around and, you know, you see a lot of the same types of folks, you know, let's address that so that you can have different perspectives brought into the room when you're coming up with your ideas and some of the needs that you have. Um, Another piece is around doing deeper research, you know, to find out, you know, who your customers are, because you want to make sure that your consumers, your patients see, hear, and feel themselves uh, reflected in your your brand, your marketing. Um, and to do that, you do need more of that um, that research and understanding of, you know, who um, who are our patients, you know, who lives in our area, you know, who do we want to expand upon uh, or span, expand into? When I say this, you're like, okay, well, how do I actually go about doing that? You know, Um, and another opportunity you have for in your own personal daily life is to diversify um, your daily life and get outside of your norm. You know, think about the content that you're consuming, you know, who you're following on socials, leaders that you're learning from, TV shows and movies that you're watching. You know, there's so much to be gathered by stepping outside of what you're so used to and hearing is like, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't realize about, you know, this particular culture or this particular experience. Um, You know, we have, you know, some of our assumptions based on what has been fed to us. But once you really get into that, you you learn quite a bit more. Uh, Another piece is around, you know, think about the businesses you're patronizing. Where do you dine? You know, the events that you attend. Are you looking around and a lot of the folks have a similar lived experience to you? Then try to get outside of that. You know, and that's about um, diversifying your inner circle and friendships. We all know that as adults, it is super hard uh, to make friends as we get older. You know, essentially, if you move to a new place, it starts with your 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 workplace. You know, those are the folks, first folks you meet. But, you know, where else can you go to meet others? Curious as to others, what's been your experience with trying to do some of that for yourself? Well, I, I got a couple examples, and, and this kind of speaks a little bit to my journey as a human. Uh, one great example is I would say traveling to different parts of the world is a great way 
to, to understand different lived experiences. Just, it, you just got to do it. And I, I, early on in my life, I, I just always thought, why would you go, why would you travel overseas? Like, it just sounds like a pain in the butt, right? I don't, I don't understand the language. I don't know how the money works. Like, why is that good? And it was my wife um, who was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be with you unless you get a passport. I didn't even have a passport in my thirties. She's like, yeah, we're not going to stick in together if you don't get a passport. I'm like, fine, whatever. Shout out to your wife. Since then, well, she's lived all over the world. And so she knew what I didn't. And, you know, since then we've been, you know, over Europe, we're going to South America. We have plans to go to Africa and Asia. And I just can't wait because once you see that there's so much more to this world than what you're used to, it just opens your mind in so many ways that you can't even really describe it to be honest, but it definitely helps you have the right kind of view in terms of what you face every day and what others may be going through uh, because you see it. You're plopped down as the other, right? Again, white man, always everything catered to me. Not if I'm plopped down in a different culture where that's not the case. Um, Even if it is a culture that's white dominated, if I'm not the native language speaker, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm out of it. So just learning that and seeing that is, is, so I'll just stick with that. I said a couple, Stephanie, I want to throw it over to you. Well, part of this is 101 marketing. And I go back to advice I got when I was an entry level brand planner, brand strategist, which is how I got into this world. And I remember the number one piece of advice that I was given from bosses, mentors, et cetera, was always be curious, but specifically, you know, pick up magazines that you would never otherwise read. This was back in the magazine era. So pick up, you know, Essence, pick up Rock Climbing, pick up whatever magazine that is not necessarily something that you would normally pick up. It's not my normal Vogue or Cosmopolitan or whatever, right? And so the point is, as marketers, you should we should always be learning. We should always be curious. We should always be talking to all kinds of people and considering, you know, lifestyles that we've never considered because otherwise you end up with a problem, which marketing often has, which is made for urban, wealthy city dwellers um, because that's where many marketing shops are and brand headquarters are. So that's a tip. And, and in this world, it is TV shows, books, movies, traveling, all of those things. But that's part of our jobs as a marketer. I love what you said, Stephanie, about um, you do need to shake up, you know, what you're because it's innovation comes from like all of these like random places where you're not really thinking about it. So if you're constantly reading, for example, if you're constantly like reading marketing, it's like, yes, you're keeping up with the trends. Um, but there are other interesting things that you can find that you can pull into your thinking. So like when you mentioned rock climbing books, it's like, you know what, that's so interesting because there's so, there's such um, great insights that you can glean from like understanding uh, experiences. So something else I learned was about like taking up different artistic endeavors, um, you know, like photography or um, painting or whatever, because it makes your mind think in a different way that can open you up to different ideas. And that's all any of this is about. You know, this isn't some um, charge of, you know, we got to drive health equity or diversity, equity, inclusion. It's honestly about just thinking outside of your normal day so that you can get 
more inspiration for creating innovative ideas. I don't know, I just threw a bunch of jargon uh, words out there. Uh, so apologies. Uh, whoever got that bingo card, you're welcome. Um, but essentially, it is about just diversifying, you know, your daily um, experiences so that you can more better understand like the world around you. And I will say the thing about the travels, like I, when I was going to France, I heard so much about like, oh, French people are rude, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And once I got there, what I realized is like, oh, yeah, they're rude because you're yelling English in their face in their country. You yes. know, like, how would you feel if you, you know, were just outside of your local uh, coffee shop and someone just came up to you and started yelling German or something? I'm like, what is your deal? <laughs> <laughs> what? So that's the response you're getting. So just again, put yourself in other people's shoes and like, oh, like, let me not yell a completely different la language in someone's face when I'm at their home. Yeah. I, maybe a good way to wrap all this up is um, an example of how this comes together is work we did a couple of years ago for um, consortium called CHI in California that is, a, is three local health systems, hospitals in Monterey County. And they really are trying to like affect public health. And they wanted to really come at diabetes because it's a big issue in Monterey County. Now, when you say Monterey County, I'll, t I'll be the first, like, I think like beautiful coastal city, like high income, rich, you know, Monterey County is extraordinarily diverse. And so to tackle this problem, we had to think um, outside of where we all sit and really get into the community and understand their lived experiences. And one of the ways we did that, again, from the very beginning was using ethnography to actually go out and sit in the living room and the kitchens of those people affected by diabetes and not just talk to them, but observe how it impacted them every day. Um, that's a great way to try to, to at least get a glimpse into somebody else's lived experience. And, and in particular, we're talking about Hispanic families in that community that we spent a lot of time with. That shaped everything. That shaped the strategy. That shaped the creative. That shaped you know, how we went to market. Uh, of course, we had you know, multiple language iterations of, of our communications. But a lot of people just start there. They think this is all about, hey, we need to have Spanish language ads. Or we need to make sure we have diverse, you know, diverse representation in our stock photos for our ads. That is the end. That is the least you can do. You really have to start at the beginning with understanding the people and pull that through everything you're doing, strategy all the way through. So I think that's just a great example of how all this comes together. Um, but it starts with just being open to doing that and understanding the need for it. So thank you, Des, as always for your wonderful contributions. My pleasure. Now you can say good morrow, because that sounds like goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> you good gotta get morrow, back to Chris. saying that. Th this, was, this was your sign-on phrase, and then I think I like frightened you by saying I don't understand <laughs> it, and now you're, you don't wanna use it. I think you should continue to say good morrow as a hello. I'll be true to myself and say good you morrow. Should, you should definitely do that. Stephanie, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. I don't have a catchphrase. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we need a, cool that this. should be a that should be an audience competition. Come up with a catchphrase for Stephanie. I think that's perfect. We're, we need to we need to find one for you. So thank you all for joining. As always, if you want us to cover something, let us know. Shoot us an email at nonormal at reviveagency.com. We love it when you share the show out with your friends, with your colleagues, when you give us ratings and reviews 
on iTunes or Spotify. That's all helpful. It also helps it make it easier for other people to see the show and that it's available. So please do all those things. Uh, Until next time, don't be satisfied with the normal. Push the no normal. We will talk to you next week. Thanks again for joining. Three.